Money Sense is brought to you by the Ellenbecker Investment Group, three-time recipient of the Better Business Bureau's Torch Award for Business Ethics and Integrity. The Ellenbecker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com. Listen to Money Sun Saturdays at 2 p.m. and Sundays at noon. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. I am the founder and the senior wealth advisor for EIG, and we're located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 and Capitol Drive. We're in that great big, beautiful town bank building. We're also in the village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank building, which is directly across the street from Winkies. And we have the opportunity to service our clients in Bonita Springs, Florida. If you'd like to put a face with a voice, if you'd like to know more about the Ellenbecker Investment Group, you can go to Ellenbecker. I have, you know, I always say this, I have such a fun show today, but my, my shows are always a lot of fun, but I happen to be looking at some TED Talks just recently, and I came across a talk that I thought was so creative, and it was so much fun, and it kind of hit me right in my heart, because as many of you know, I've been trying to retire now for about nine years, (laughs) and Julie keeps saying to me, Mom, you're a failure at retirement, because I keep jumping in and kind of jumping out, but all the things that I had heard on this TED Talk really resonated it with what I see in my own life and of course what I see in my clients and a way that I've already shared the talk with many people a way that they can kind of get a heads up on maybe what to expect and what to think about so today my guest is Dr. Riley Moines and he did a great TED talk which you can go to and it's the four phases of retirement and so today I thought that I would just introduce him and have him talk about his experiences and some of the things that he has done. So welcome to the show, Dr. Riley. How are you? Thank you, Karen. I'm fine. I'm fine. Thank you. I have to tell you, um, it was just really nice because I think most of the things I'd experienced and I talked to my clients about who are you know, either in retirement, getting ready for retirement, but you put it in such a nice clean package to really sort of walk your way through it that and it made such good sense to me one of the things that um, you had talked about in your TED talk was squeezing the juice out of retirement and you've got these sort of four pillars four phases that you go through can you explain to my audience how you really started to think more deeply about the whole issue of retirement well beyond what I do for a living of course is finances and money and estate planning and that certainly is as you said in your talk a very important part of it but once we've figured all that out all of a sudden we wake up one day and I don't know if people experienced like I did but I was still driving to my office yeah (laughs) <laughs> well, certainly my background is similar to yours, Karen, in that uh, I was a financial advisor for a number of years as well. Uh, but I must say that what prompted me to give consideration to this whole issue was my own personal experience that uh, I found myself, um, as I indicated, kind of I found myself busy enough. But, you know, you can only play so much golf. And, and, I, and I began to feel that I really wasn't doing anything that kind of mattered very much. It wasn't, it was really kind of, I was kind of flailing. And, and so I, I decided as I 
do. My background is in is in research, and and so I started by researching and and looking at the uh, the written material about retirement. And no surprise to you, I'm sure, and it was really no surprise to me that most of the uh, most of the literature relates to investments and to estate planning and to insurance and all of those kinds of things, which again critically important, but just not what I was looking for. Uh, I was looking for some of the softer stuff, I guess. And so I decided that since there really wasn't very much written about it, that at least I could find, I, I thought I would go to the source. And so I started talking to retirees and I asked them the question. I said, how can you, how do you squeeze all the juice out of retirement? That's how it started. And it went from there. And I interviewed dozens and dozens, uh, well over a hundred over time. And and uh, people kept referring me to other folks, and uh, so I, I was I was doing a lot of listening uh, to a lot of folks, and I was trying to kind of make sense of it all. I'm I'm one of these people who, if I can see some kind of a pattern, uh, it, it helps me a lot. Uh, my former background was was in teaching, and and I knew that I was able there to kind of take information that might be or appear to be complicated and if I could kind of package it in a way that 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 helped people that there was probably a framework involved and so that's how the four phases kind of emerged uh, out of all of this research all of these conversations and as I kind of began to develop the phases I I began to test them on people and I I asked them does this does this resonate to your experience, does this kind of speak to you? And uh, certainly I've been extremely gratified. I mean, we're now well over 2.4 million views of, of my TED talk and thousands of comments that have been attached to it really speak to the fact that these four phases do, uh, they, 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 they do a good job of, of helping people to either get a heads up, as you say, or to kind of make more sense of what they're going through. And that's really what I was trying to do for myself. I wish I knew then what I know now about this whole thing. It would have been much easier for me, but I'm hopeful that through the TED Talk and through my, my, uh, my, my workshops and through my publications, that other people can, uh, can find some sort of a sense of relief or some sort of order that may be helpful to them as well. I think you're absolutely right about a sense of order. I know that a lot of people that I have talked to, and basically after I have a client, we work so hard to get them to retirement. And then maybe six months or a year after, you know, that first six months meeting, they're just happy. And I love mm -hmm. retirement. They've been doing their honeydew list. And, you know, and I actually mm -hmm. learned that people who golf after retirement actually get worse than better. <laughs> and the reason is, is when they were golfing and working, they had a set time and they maybe golfed once or twice a week. Now they can golf seven days a week. And right. so if they don't play well, they can play better next day, sure. <laughs> which was really kind of funny. But I think when I when I speak to my clients a year later, two years later, yeah. I get this sense that, you know, that there's a feeling of as you said in your TED talk, is there, is this all they are? And they almost to themselves feel like there's something wrong with them. Yeah. And I think your talk gives them to permission to see that this is something that a lot of it, people experience. Absolutely. Well, phase one is, uh, as I've discovered, 
it is what most people visualize as as an ideal retirement. It's kind of doing what you want, when you want, if you want, with whom you want, where you want, no set routine, play all the golf you want, maybe a new, who knows, maybe a new boat, maybe a (laughs) a warm place in Bonita Springs, Uh, who knows what it might be, but that's what people visualize as the ideal retirement. And well, back in 1950, that may have been okay when we could look forward to about three years of retirement. That was kind of life expectancy back then, 68 years. Well, now for many people, it's closer to 30 years. It's, it's, it's a third of their life. So although that, that approach works for a little while, it does just work for a little while for most people. And it's not the kind of thing that you can build a meaningful retirement on. Absolutely. It's so funny because one of the things that I have noticed as as I have also looked at retirement is that I can tell the different people so easily by how they walk. There's a certain people who walk as if they have a place to go. Mm-hmm. And then there's people who kind of shuffle along yeah. and you can just totally see the difference. And then when you talk to them, it's almost as if they've lost the zest. Yes. Exactly. Well, I see that as well. You see, the, the, the key to it all is having a purpose. And if you have a purpose in life, then you walk with purpose. And if you don't, <laughs> you kind of shamble along and, and uh, you kind of shamble along. <laughs> Let's talk about that first phase a little bit more. And yeah. I know a lot of times people say, well, every day is a weekend now. You know, yeah. every every day is a weekend. And yeah. so when you're talking about that first phase that mm-hmm. happens, does it, I think you mentioned in your talk, it's like the first one to two years that people start and, and what, what really happens to them. And it leads into that phase two of which you're lost. You're just sort of like a turtle on your back. Yeah. Well, as I say, it, phase one is, is what most people visualize as the ideal retirement. And and it's fine for a while, but it's not a basis for a 30-year retirement. And my experience is that it, it typically, not always, of course, some, some get, uh, get bored sooner than others, and, and it takes some longer than others. And there, there is a very small minority of people in, uh, in, in my research who, who seem to be happy in phase one. They're, they're happy uh, kind of doing what they want and, uh, and, and you know, good on them. But for most people, they do after a couple of years, they begin to realize the significant losses that come with retirement as well. And so I outline kind of the five almost inevitable losses that most people are going to experience in, in phase two. It's the phase, as I say, where people feel lost and they feel lost. So they lose a routine. For a while, we were happy not to have our routine. You know, when we're on vacation, part of what makes it so great is that we don't have a routine. But ultimately, it seems there's something that's kind of genetically wired into us <laughs> that, that needs a routine. And I found that over and over again. I found it for myself. I found it with many, many, many of the people that I interviewed. For a while, it's fine. But ultimately, we, we need a routine. And so when we realize that we've lost that, that's one of the five critical losses. Second loss is that many people identify with their calling, with their profession, with their job. 
And when they lose that, they lose a sense of identity. That's particularly the case in my experience with males rather than females, but not certainly exclusively by any means. So a loss of identity piled on top of a loss of a routine. And then we add to that the loss of many of the relationships that we might have established and developed over a, perhaps a, a lengthy working career or even, even a domestic career. There can still be lots of relationships that are established and some of them become lifelong friendships. But I know, and many of the people I interviewed know that it doesn't take long for you to realize, yes, you can go back and have coffee with the guys or the gals once you've retired every month or so. But it doesn't take you long to realize that, that you're on the outside, they're carrying on with their lives, and you feel like a fifth wheel, and you don't do that for very long. So we lose relationships. Then there's the loss of, of a sense of purpose that many people, thankfully, get from their calling or their profession or their job. It's purposeful for them, it's meaningful for them, and they love to do what they do in many cases. And all of a sudden it's taken away, perhaps your decision, perhaps someone else's decision to take that away. And so there's a sense of a loss of purpose. And then finally, for some people, there's a loss of power because over a course of a working career, perhaps they've they've developed a, a, some, some power, maybe they have, power over over a budget or some personnel and and they may think that you know they're pretty important and they may well be very important but when the time comes they're just a guy or a gal in the street so with the combination of these five losses all of them directly associated with retirement none of which we see coming and we get we we're hit by them all at once and it can be traumatic it's like for many people being hit by a bus. So that's what phase two is all about. But then it's made worse, Karen, by the fact that most of us suffer the three Ds. Now these are not necessarily directly associated with retirement, but they tend to happen at about this same time of our lives. We start to experience number one, decline, physical and mental decline as we, as we age. It's just the way it is. Also, interestingly, I've discovered a huge increase in the ratio or the number of divorces at this time of life. It's, it's a, I'm sure you've seen it in your, in your practice. I saw it in mine. It was a tremendous surprise to me. And then we add to that, in addition to the five losses, we've now got these three Ds. We've got decline, divorce, and depression, a very high ratio of, of, of uh, identified depression, according to the Mayo Clinic, there's a 40% likelihood that you will experience signs of clinical depression in retirement. And so this combination just makes phase two, where we feel lost and we feel lost, a very, very difficult time for most people. Well, I'd add another, we're going to take a quick break, but one of the things that I've seen in my practice that happens very often after retirement is another D and that's death. Mm, of course, yes. <laughs> yes. And, you know, and one spouse passes away, they've worked yes. so hard. Yes. I just had that recently, uh, two clients where yes. it happened actually to be um, the wife who passed away. And they said, we've worked so hard and we were all ready to retire. And now I have all this money and my wife is gone. Yeah. 
and that adds a whole nother scope to it. We're going to take a quick break. There's so many more things to discuss. My guest today is Dr. Riley Moines, and he has done a fantastic TED Talk. He also has written books, and he does workshops, and with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. I'm the founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. And today I have just a, a, a wonderful new friend, I'm going to call him, because I just found out during the break that we are literally live five miles away from each other. So uh, I'm hoping that there's a, a coffee or a glass of wine in my future with Dr. Riley Moines. And he has done a fabulous TED Talk, The Four Phases of Retirement. And one of the things that I love about as he says squeezing the juice out of retirement and isn't that true for all of us and during the break I was telling Riley that when I did retire and I my daughter nine years ago took over as the president and I came down to Florida to you know try this out um, it was it was a shock to me because my calendar was empty and I didn't know what to fill it up with here because it was a different place and I started feeling like I, I had lost so many of the things that he had talked about. My routine was gone. My entity was definitely associated with being able to make some of the decisions that were so pertinent in my business, but yet I needed to let go because I wanted my daughter to have that opportunity to put her touches on it and to grow the business. Mm -hmm. My relationships were back in Milwaukee <laughs> and um, it, my purpose was... I still felt I had a purpose, but it was so different and I didn't know how to define it differently. Mm -hmm. It was hard. Mm -hmm. It was very hard. And so in the last um, segment, we talked about the three Ds, depression, decline, um, divorce that has risen and death. And I think I threw that one in because I've experienced that with so many of my clients. And what it really does is it whacks, whacks you. Uh, you just don't know how to get back on your feet. And so can we talk about that transition between lost and feeling lost and that routine and identity and the power and purpose that seems to have diminished so much into the trial and error phase of you know where you're, you're really trying to figure this out you're trying to find some balance in your life yeah well it's it's um it really is it really is critical in, in my view karen that uh people uh, although at a time when i know it can be very difficult when you are feeling depressed you're feeling lonely you're feeling alone you're feeling lost um you know the option is to carry on like that and and add to the statistics that that are not you know very very positive statistics in terms of divorce, uh, not only divorce rates, but but rates of suicide. Uh, I mean, men over 80 in both Canada and the US are among the highest uh, ratios of, uh, of, of, of suicide. So we, we need to make a choice. Either we can kind of wallow or we can move on and, and we have to decide to move on in order to get to phase four, which is where we can squeeze all the juice. But to get there, it's the trial and error phase, what I call phase three. 
And I, I know what I went through and what I've documented that many, many other people have gone through is that what we need to do is to take some of the, the strengths that we know we have, uh, some of the things that have probably led us to success during our working careers or, or in our domestic careers, as the case may be, and apply them probably to a new situation. We need to rewire. We need not to retire. We need to rewire. And so in phase three, we're talking about trial and error. And it's a matter of, of trying a bunch of different things that, that you just don't know whether any of them are going to be successful. My experience was that I probably tried a dozen things for which I had high hopes, uh, three of which only I mentioned in my TED talk due to lack of time. But, but you just, I mean, they, it's trial and error and there's an emphasis on error in phase, in phase three. So it's just a matter of keeping at it, keeping at it. And of course, what happens is that some people are lucky enough to be able to break through from phase three into phase four. Others are not. And what I, what I hate to see is situations where, and it happens from time to time, where people kind of, they keep trying, they keep trying, and they finally give up and nothing seems to work and they slip back into phase two which is kind of kind of the worst possible fate. Luckily, most people, no, I shouldn't say that. Luckily, a significant number of people who try different things, different initiatives, maybe it's volunteering, maybe it's not. But what is common in people who are successful in breaking through from phase three to phase four, in my experience, is providing service to others. That is the underlying feature of success in moving into phase four. And phase four is where we can really squeeze all the juice out of retirement. But to me, the critical element of phase three is just not giving up, trying different things, asking friends, relatives, possibilities. What are they involved with? What do you suggest? Why don't we try this? Why don't we try that? and build on the strengths that you know that you have, that you have developed over years and years uh, through your professional or domestic working career. Phase three is trial and error, but the, the, ele the, the, the essential element has to be to keep trying. Do you know, I've worked with so many um, of my clients and, and friends that are women who immediately in retirement, they jump into babysitting for their grandkids, which is really a, a nice thing to do. It saves the family money. It's a close network. But yep. I have noticed exactly what you were talking about. Um, they've given up any routine they have, their enti entity changes, their um, relationships. They've given up a lot of the relationships with other of the girlfriends that they had. Yeah. And all of a sudden what happens is the grandchildren go off to school and they don't need a babysitter anymore. Mm -hmm. And those women are left kind of, again, on their back, like, now what do I do? They're older. They're right. 10 years older. Uh, many times a spouse has passed in, in the meantime there. And I've noticed with my male, men, the men who have retired, they actually do better in retirement because they don't typically go and do the babysitting that might do a little but they start to build new relationships they get out there right away it takes them almost about five years it looks like to get that and so many of the women 
Um, and, you know, we, we see all kinds of things happening, um, more, more socializing, more drinking, more, you know, things that aren't as purposeful. So I think it's, it's also just looking at things that is going to carry you through retirement. And one of the things I tell my clients is live where you want to play. <laughs> you know, a lot of people get stuck in their houses. I yeah. see this more with women. They don't want to leave. They're comfortable and they get isolated. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, that's one of the very worst elements. That's yes. And that's the worst. part of depression that you're talking about. That's right. That well, is really difficult. And, uh, you know, um, Riley, I had something happen with one of my friends who really got sick with COVID and he was going into kind of a depression. And, and this was, he also sold his business sort of semi-retired. And when he went to the doctor, they couldn't find anything wrong. And they put him in one of these after COVID tests type things. Mm -hmm. And the doctor said, I can't find anything wrong. And he said, well, what am I supposed to do? He said, I don't feel good. And I just, it's not, not right. And he asked him three questions. He said, let me just ask you something. He said, do you get up every morning and make your bed? And my friend said, well, sometimes. And he said, when you went to work, did you make your bed? And he said, yeah. And he said, do you take a shower every day? And he said, well, sometimes. And he said, did you take a shower every day when you went to work? And he said, what do you have on your calendar? What else is on your calendar? Is it just me? And he said, did you have a full calendar? And he said, I did. And my friend went home and thought about that. And literally he changed all that around back to what you were talking about, kind of phase three and four. And it was remarkable. He, he was not sick anymore. It diminished. He was back on his feet. He was doing things. And I think that's really true of retirement as well. It is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. I think he got there kind of through COVID, but those same three <laughs> questions are, are applicable to a retiree. Absolutely. A, a healthy retiree. When you talk about, and uh, you know what I think we'll do? I think we're going to take a quick break real quick, and then we'll come back. My guest today is Dr. Riley Moynes, and he has done an absolutely fabulous TED Talk that you can um, listen to. And when we get back, he'll tell you about some of the other things that he has done as well. And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellen Becker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. My guest today is Dr. Riley Moynes, and we have been talking about the four phases of retirement, a fabulous TED Talk. I would suggest that you take a listen to it. And if you have a friend retiring, if you have any a group, it is fabulous just to put up on the screen and talk about it. First of all, that's what I did. You're going to get a lot of laughs. You're going to find out stories that you, things that people did and they'll, and, and, and you'll go, you did that? And, they'll, and, and you laugh. And there's nothing more refreshing than feeling that you're in a group of people who are all kind of, you know, trying to make their way through any type of thing. And of course, retirement is and can be um, a, a wonderful time, but it can be also very trying. And being with your friends and talking about it really does make you laugh. And, it, and it's a fun opportunity. And I'm sure, Dr. We are 
Riley, when we were talking during the break, you said that a lot of people are curious if there's any way that they can avoid two and three and go from one to four. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that there is that this little bit of a subgroup that I've discovered through my through my research. I, I, I suspect it's a fairly small percentage of retirees, but there are two groups. Uh, and these are folks who seem to be able to go from phase one to phase four. Uh, the first group is is entrepreneurs. Uh, th these are people who uh, who generally love what they do. And their only plan, somewhat like yours, Karen, is to do perhaps slightly less of it. Uh, they 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 love their involvement. They just don't want it to be quite as as full time as it might have been over a twenty or thirty or a forty year period. So these people have no intention of retiring in the traditional sense. They just want to do a little bit less of what they did before and and find time for other things. So uh, that that's one group that just seems to be immune to going through the, 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 uh, uh, the, the losses associated with phases two and, and the trial and error because they know exactly what they love to do. The second group that I've, that I've discovered that have been able to avoid it are people who during their working or, or domestic careers had identified a hobby something that they um, that they were involved with, that they love to do. Again, it may have been volunteering, it may have been coaching, it may have been uh, art, it may have been photography, it doesn't matter what it is, but these are people who just look forward to retirement so that they can do more of what they have always done, but couldn't find time to do enough of for their for their liking. So again, this is kind of a small group. I estimate probably 10% of retirees might fall into one of these two categories, but uh, it's a question that I'm often asked. And I think those two are the areas or, or the, the groups that have somehow been able to dodge the bullet of phases two and three. The other group that I have noticed with my clients that have can dodge it a little bit are the ones who are in a position where it's not a direct cutoff from work, where one day they're working and the next day they're not working, but they have the opportunity to go back to their company and do some consulting. Yeah. And the I've had so many of my clients say, well, we've never done that before. They don't do that. And I'll say, well, I'll tell you what, I'll sit down with you and help you make a plan as to what you can do, how many hours you want to work, what that looks like. And you take it to them. And almost always they say, yep, we'll do it. They just don't have the time to create the position. Yeah. So if you can yeah. take the time to create your own position, still working within your company, but reducing that time, a little bit like what the entrepreneurs do in a sense, yeah, exactly. and then go into the um, retirement mode, uh, it, it seems to work a little bit, a little bit better too. Mm -hmm. And the, the other thing, Riley, that I've noticed, and we have this little game, I don't know if you ever saw it, but it's a, a it's cards and they have on there all kinds of different things like going out to eat and little hobbies and different things that you can do. And we would give one set of cards to a husband and one set of wife or partners. And we'd say, now sit down with a glass of wine and there's a little board and you put on there uh, what you want to do in retirement. And you would be surprised at how few people were in alignment with what they wanted to do in retirement. Mm -hmm. And so one, one, you know, woman I had down there um, going out to eat and she said, no, that's, it was food. And she said, no, I want to stay home and cook. I've always been eating out. All mm -hmm. I want to do now is cook. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, 
you really have to sit down with your partner and talk about what retirement looks like for both of you. Exactly. Exactly. It, it, it's exactly. It's, it's not just one. Uh, there has to be satisfaction on, on both, on both parts. And that sounds like a great exercise to try to identify. <laughs> well, you know, it's really tough because people, especially two people who have been working or one who's more domestic in there. I mean, her kitchen's her kitchen. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, somebody's in her kitchen. Yeah, yeah get out. Yes, <laughs> and, <laughs> and my one friend said to me, I go shopping and he wants to go with. And I can't, you know, and and all of a sudden, everywhere we go, he's driving and I'm not driving anymore because we go everywhere together. Mm-hmm. Those are little, little things that can bug you. Yeah, and and absolutely. so having that open conversation during retirement and that freedom to be able to say what works and what doesn't work. And I still remember one of my clients, um, her husband got up to go to the bathroom and she looked at me and she said, get him a job. <laughs> yeah. yep. and hanging, so, around, hanging around the, the house too much. But you know, the one thing in the very beginning of your TED talk is that you did talk about the emotion of retirement. And I think when you have been able to financially secure your retirement, you kind of get into a, a place that says retirement is going to be great and I don't really have to worry about it. I've done a good job. And emotionally, it takes you to a, a place of euphoria, a, a place of, um, oh, what did I hear in church this week? A paradise, as you were talking about. And go. I do remember the um, pastor saying, um, don't make your paradise things that can be taken away. <laughs> and when I think about some of the things that you talked about, your routine and your identity and your relationship and your power and your purpose. And if you think about that, you know, taking all that away, that that's going to be your paradise or it's going to give you the that feeling of, you know, I've made it, I'm in retirement. Mm-hmm. I think you really do have to think about that emotional part and realize how significant all of that is. Just for me, it was even getting up every day. I always went to work every day. And then all of a sudden it was like three days. I didn't have to go into work until much later. Everything was disrupted. It just felt so uncomfortable. That's right. That's right. And not that I thought it was bad, but it was like, wait a minute, this is so different than I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Different, different. You know, the interesting thing, Karen, is that, is that, um, when we, we identify the five losses associated with phase two, but the beauty of phase four, and again, this is where we do get to squeeze all the juice out of retirement. And, and, and uh, it, it's a matter, I think, of taking some of the, of, of the strengths that we know that, we, that we've uh, had, uh, um, building on some of, of the successes that we've experienced in life, and applying some of those skills, perhaps in a different in a different area. That's why I keep using the term rewiring. But the interesting thing and unanticipated outcome of the of the breakthrough that people experience going into phase four and squeezing all the juice out of it is, and I use my friend Bill, uh, who's just down the road from you as well in Spring Run, who who helped to create this wonderful program that I referenced in in my TED talk. And as a result of that, he has a new routine for his life. He's got a new identity. He was a 
he was a dentist who inflicted pain for 40 years. <laughs> now he's billed a guy who gets things done and creates fabulous new programs in our community. Uh, he's lost some relationships, but he's got a whole bunch of new relationships. When you ask people to volunteer, when you talk to 40, 50 people and you ask them to volunteer to do something that they love to do and that they do really well, you create some new relationships. So he's done that as well. He has a new sense of purpose that has come out of his, his desire to make our golf community the best that it, that it can be. And although Bill, I mean, Bill couldn't care less about, about power, but one of the interesting things that has happened as a result of this program is that people who are buying in our community are now prepared to pay a premium on the cost of that home because of this program, which is becoming more widely known and so very, very popular in our area. So the five losses associated with phase two can be regained and enhanced and embellished in phase four. That's the, the beauty of it, the magic, the magic of phase four, as far as I can see. Do you know what, Riley? I saw it when I came down here after the hurricane. Mm. And in our community, people just stepped up to the plate, people who had never even thought about doing that. And they found a new sense of belonging. They found a new sense of commitment. There were people cooking for people who had lost their homes here mm -hmm. and new relationships were stimulated. Yeah. Exactly the same thing. And it came out of a hardship, Yes, but it was absolutely amazing to see what was going on. And of course we've got um, FK Your Diet, which is the restaurant right down there that is doing amazing things in our community for children. And he started out working with foster kids mm. and now it has spread into the community and it has been, um, I think, one of the one of the things that we can look at and say is a beautiful outcome from a from yeah. a terrible tragedy yeah. is that people found a new way of giving back and helping other people. And that's exactly what you said yeah. is most of most of what has created that getting the juice out of your retirement is by giving back service to others. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think what we're going to do is take another break, which has been because we've been just having so much fun talking here. And when we come back, I'd like you to talk about the program a little bit more, because I think that is really very exciting and some of the things you've done. And then also how people can get in touch with you if they'd like to learn more. And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, as I've said before, the founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. And one of the things that I'm so grateful for, and I think being grateful is one of the keys also to a really successful, happy retirement, is that I've been able to do this show now for over 34 years. And on the show, we've never, ever sold an investment. We have never sold anything on the show because it's really about education and helping people to find ways to be able to make better decisions about their personal finances, better decisions about their lives, their family, more of a holistic approach. And today is truly one of those great opportunities that I've had to interview and to bring to you something that I think is so important. And Dr. Riley Moynes, who has done a TED Talk, 
it is fantastic. And he is so right. I remember when I would go to Minnesota, Gilbert, Minnesota with my parents for our vacation. And my grandfather and grandma were retired and they sat in rocking chairs on their front porch. And that was retirement. And that's kind of what I saw. The only other thing that was really excited about it was that on Saturdays, he would go in and he'd walk the Hulk wrestle. <laughs> and I'd hear him talk and my grandma would talk in Slovenian and it was crazy. But that was sort of how I was brought up as retirement was. My father owned a gas station. And when he retired, he was just 59, going to be 59 years old. And he didn't die until, well, he didn't die. When he passed away, he was um, 87 80, 90, two years old, I have to say, he was retired almost as long as he worked. Yeah. Yeah. And my dad had exactly what you did. My grandfather loved to do woodworking. And my dad, when my grandpa died, took all of his woodworking tools. And when he retired, he started with wood, woodworking and he made things for everybody. But that did keep him busy until he passed away of pancreatic cancer um, mm -hmm. much later. But those are my two, you know, that was what I saw retirement as. And here I am in my 70s, and I'm still going strong because there are so many wonderful things to do out there. And so you have found some of those things yourself. Can you talk about some of the things you tried and they didn't work and some of the things you're doing so people can really identify with this passage that you've made yourself? Sure. Well, thanks, Karen. Yeah, I am. Um... In um, in phase three in my trial and error period, I um, I did try a lot of things, some of which I referenced in my in my TED talk. But one of the ones that I didn't have time to mention there was um, I became familiar with um, uh, an organization called the First T. Uh, it's a uh, youth development program based on golf. It's a wonderful program which is very very healthy in the United States and in Florida in particular. It has been supported by the PGA Tour, by the LPGA Tour, by uh, a number of the, uh, of the major golfers, um, Jack Nicklaus, I know Arnold Palmer, uh, Tiger Woods, and a number of others have contributed personally $1 million to the first tee. And I saw it as a wonderful opportunity. I live in, in, in Canada, in the, uh, in the Toronto area, and uh, we're in an area of about 6 million people. And I thought, what a wonderful opportunity to, to create a first tee uh, uh, operation in the Toronto area. Uh, so I approached the, um, the first tee organization uh, in, um, in, in Florida. They were very much interested in, in expanding and were very supportive. Um, uh, and I did, a lot of work, but I was finally informed that there had been created an organization in Canada called Golf Canada, and they had taken responsibility or were taking responsibility for not only um, uh, professional golf, but for youth development golf as well. And they uh, told me that they uh, had a program that was every bit as good as the first tee, uh, which was delusional on, on, on their part, in, in my opinion. <laughs> but they ultimately said, we will not allow uh, a first tee to be established here in Canada. 
and I was very disappointed at that. This was at the end of about two and a half years of, 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 uh, of um, doing all that I could to help get it underway. And it just basically never, never happened. So that was one of my failures in, in, uh, in phase three. Uh, uh, attempts, another... not failures, attempts. Attempts, attempts. Well, it wasn't successful, so call it <laughs> what you will. Uh, um, then there is another, yep. Uh, and uh, well, it, um, I was part of a, uh, on a condo board. I did mention this one in my TED talk, part of a condo board for a couple of years until I got tired of being yelled at all the time. <laughs> so that was one that uh, was short lived as uh, short lived as well, Karen. And now you've got this program that's going on that um, started, I believe, in the talk you said it started with maybe 20 or 30 people. And now you've got several hundred people involved and programs all over that people who have had experience in their life can teach. And that's a point, I guess, that I want to really bring out is that we all have so many gifts. And some of them was technology, fixing a car, fixing a bike, you know, as you said, people get all these gifts at Christmas and they can't even turn them on from their kids and their kids yeah. want to connect up with them. And yeah. we did see that during COVID where people had a lot of these things and they couldn't use them. But reading books, um, knitting, um, bike rides, uh, all kinds of things. And we have expertise and being able to participate or start something like this or look for it is a is a place to start. And uh, I know during the break, I said, I need to know about this group myself. So I'm, I'm really happy that um, it's in my community. It my is. guest today is Dr. Riley Moines, and he has done a TED talk. And uh, Riley, how can they get in touch with you if they want to know more or know more about your or um, your programs that you have, mm -hmm. because this would be something that a lot of corporations might want to do for their retirees. Yeah, thanks, Karen. Uh, the best way, I think, is to contact us through our website, thefourphases.com. Thank you so much. And uh, we've run out of time and we could talk and talk for such a long time. Again, my guest today is Dr. Riley Moines. Go find that TED Talk. It's absolutely fabulous. And as always, I hope that I've made a difference in your personal and your financial well-being. Remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye.